Welcome to Ing Podcast, a production of Menno Media's Leader Magazine. Our world is increasingly complex, fast-paced, and divided. How are people of faith bringing their best selves to the world each day? How are we leading, growing, and being as people of God? Ing Podcast is a place to share insights and stories from individuals creatively engaging the present and moving into the future. On today's episode, I sit down with Kevin Weeby, a writer, pastor, and author of the recent book, Faithful in Small Things, How to Serve the Needy When You're One of Them. What did it mean to be poor? What did it mean to uh, live in poverty? Were, were we rich because we could help people, or were we poor because we lost everything and had to live in my grandma's basement? What did poverty really mean? We'll learn more about what Kevin has realized growing up among working poor, and being present at a congregation that is adapting to new way of living. Welcome, friends, to Ing Podcast. I'm really excited today to be speaking with uh, Reverend Kevin Weeby. Kevin is the pastor at New Life Christian Fellowship in Southern Ontario and has a book that has recently been published by Menno Media titled Faithful in Small Things, How to Serve the Needy, when you're one of them. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today on Ink Podcast. Thanks for having me. I wonder for folks who are not in your local context or who don't know you in some other way, can you give us just a sense of who you are and um, how we might get to know you a little bit better? Yeah, um, I grew up in northern Alberta, the kind of first half of my life in the Edmonton area. And then around the age of nine, just before I turned nine, uh, my family lost our home and were uh, forced to move. So we moved in with my grandmother, lived in her basement for a while, um, about 800 kilometers away in the northern, far northern parts of Alberta. Um, it uh, That's where I spent the remainder of my upbringing. Got involved in some missions work after high school. And then in the course of that, met my beautiful wife, Emily, who is uh, just such an amazing person who I, I think would probably be more interesting to talk to than, than <laughs> I am in any case. But um, we have three children, uh, Jasmine, Marshall, and Finley, and uh, they're all grade school age. And we now live in southwestern Ontario, where I pastor a church. I've been here since 2013 at New Life Christian Fellowship. So it's been uh, it's been a few years already that we've been here. We we love serving in in this community. Our uh, our congregation is made up of mostly um, Mennonite immigrants from Mexico. So it's always kind of interesting to explain uh, this to people who aren't already familiar with our yeah. cultural context because they they're from Mexico and have Mexican passports and all of that and, and are immigrants, but then they don't speak Spanish. They speak um, Low German. And, and then, you know, when people ask about cultural things and they ask sometimes about food and what the food's like, and well, yeah, there is Mexican food, but there's also this kind of Russian Ukrainian kind of food that's part of the mix as well. So it's uh, a really unique community to, to be a part of, to be leading and, and just lovely, lovely people that, that work very hard at, at serving, serving others, even in times when, uh, when they may have needs themselves. So what language does worship happen in then in that very unique uh, context? Uh, English, um, especially because most of the children don't speak any low German. Um, so, so it's almost all in English. I, I do try to uh, 
every now and again, if I can think of something to say in low German for a sentence or two, then, then I will. Um, but we do also have a, a low German Bible study for, for folks that, that would like to study the word in, in their mother tongue. And my understanding is that this book that you have recently published comes out of that experience leading this unique congregation in this unique context. Can you speak a little bit more about the genesis of that project and how it all came to be? Some of the questions I started asking um, about poverty stem from my own experience as, as a child in losing our home and, um, and, and as well, my parents always, uh, for almost my entire upbringing, is actually since before I was even born, they would take in people that needed a place to stay. So I, I had roommates, uh, many, many different roommates over the course of my life as well. People that just had no place else to go. Uh, they weren't official foster parents or anything like that, but our home kind of functioned that way, mostly with um, teenage men, although uh, my cousin um, Esther stayed with us for a while as well, um, became like a sister to me also. So that was a family connection. But um, then, then while, while I was asking these questions personally about, you know, what was it, what did it mean to be poor? What did it mean to, uh, live in poverty? Were, were we rich cause we could help people or were we poor because we lost everything and had to live in my grandma's basement or, um, what, what did poverty really mean? And then, uh, coming to pastor here and, and hearing so many stories of people that, um, uh, moved from Mexico to Canada, you know, seeking a better life or, a um, jobs that could better provide for their, for their families, then, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of poverty in the, in the, in the past and sometimes in the present of the people in our church. And at, at one point we kind of hit a financial crisis as a congregation. And, uh, we were, you know, around the boardroom table looking at our budget and, and things were not looking good and we were making cuts across the board on, on everything. And then we came to our uh, benevolence line and, and it was like this kind of sickening silence where we all knew that we're going to have to make cuts, but none of us wanted to cut that line, you know, and an interesting thing happened when we were faced with that kind of dilemma. um, Well, none of us wanted to cut that out of the budget. We, we ended up, taking it out of the budget in the formal budget, but we wouldn't do that without coming up with uh, another plan of how to, how to serve others, how to reach out to our community. And that's where some things kind of took off for us um, in, in helping others in small, um, small ways, but rather than being a line in the budget that our, our deacons would, um, you know, deliver a, a gift card or something it became a, a way where the community would come together and, and, and we would do just grocery collections, a very mm. simple thing to start with where we'd tell the congregation there's someone that's in need. Um, we wouldn't, you know, say their name publicly to help, help protect their dignity and all that, but uh, just let them know we're doing a grocery collection. The congregation would gather together whatever they had. And, and while putting it in the budget was kind of a way to put it somewhere and most of the congregation forgot about it, when, when we started taking that actually out of our formal budget and making it more of just a, just a gift from our community, um, we found that in that first year, in the middle of a financial crisis, we gave away more um, groceries and more, more money's worth of grocery gift cards, actually, than what we had several years past combined. Wow. And it was just this beautiful, uh, 
just a, a shift in our in our community and how we we viewed some of those things instead of just being the responsibility of the deacons it now enabled everybody to do something about someone that they cared about that was going through a hard time and that kind of began a, a process for us in that and then in the midst of all of that um having a bit of a communications background myself i also um created the pubology series which um, is asking some of those same questions but instead of uh, like a book where I offer certain answers and wisdom on the Pavology series, I was free to just ask questions mm -hmm. of people who mm -hmm. who know a lot about it already. So did a lot of interviews with with folks um, asking a lot of those really tough questions and putting it together in a, in a curriculum format as well. Do you get the sense that there was something about the shift to make it a more practical? part of people's lives that is that the, the difference maker the turning point um is it a sort of holy spirit moment of of just uh god's presence in the community that that led to that shift what do you sort of chalk that up to that that major difference from from one era to the next i guess i think one of the the big things about this topic in general is the importance of relationships and when we kind of took it out of the institution and put it into the community, if you want to use those terms, yeah. then it forced people to to think about it for themselves as well. And and then they thought about their the relationships in their lives of people that they knew that might be struggling and how they could help themselves. And it that that shift from institution to um, community can I, I think was just very powerful mm -hmm. and highlighted the the importance of of everyone taking those relationships seriously and, and, and being a, a transformative um, actor, if you will, within their own uh, circle of friends and family and communities to, uh, to, to just be a light to others, to serve others in, in ways that when it's just kind of left up to the institution, well then, well, our, our deacons do that or our pastors do that or our ministers do that. Mm. And, and when the shift happens to, to kind of bringing it down to the level of this is something all of us can do and that we in fact need everyone to do, then then it's it's a small shift in some ways. Um, and it's not like we're asking everyone to, uh, you know, all of a sudden preach a sermon or um, write a book or do a missions trip overseas, but just to, you know, keep their eyes open. Do you know someone that's in need that could use, um, you know, a helping hand with some groceries or, um, you know, sometimes we've helped with rent or or other expenses when people have been been in need, and so it, it just kind of gives them a way to to really um, help out with people that they know. And and yeah, it's it's like that that shift. It's not any longer just well let the deacons sort it out. It's yeah. it's yeah. putting the responsibility on each person, and then it takes it out of that kind of institutional mindset and more into an organic relational way. We're going to take a quick break now to thank our sponsors and invite you to consider sponsoring Ing Podcast. You can also play a big part in helping us spread the word about this podcast by giving our new Facebook page a like and sharing your favorite Ing Podcast episodes with friends, encouraging them to subscribe and join this movement of leading, growing, and being as people of faith. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. In challenging times, how do we prepare for tomorrow? Invest in the path ahead with hope and sharing, love and caring, and with help from Everence. Many of us are taking it day by day, step by step. 
How can we make room for financial strategies and the Holy Spirit to help guide us for the longer term? Financial services for a purpose. Visit us today at everance.com. In the times we live in, as, as tumultuous as they are, there's, there's a lot of issues going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Zan does some, uh, I, I follow him on Instagram, and I, I love some of the things he says about that, about how we, we could be in a perpetual state of outrage by everything yeah. that's going on. And I say the word polarization, and everybody knows, well, yeah, our world's increasingly polarized, everyone at one side and everyone in, in the other side. And, and there's, there, there's a part of this as well that, uh, that, that we do need to speak up, but yet when it, things are so polarized, if we would be quicker to, to listen, not just to say to listen, so we can just hear someone else and then ignore them, but to truly listen and to, to take time to learn and understand, um, what's, what's going on. Um, I actually took, classes at Conrad Grable, a lot of them with Betty Priest, actually, who's another Herald Press author mm-hmm. releasing a book this year. And she's a fantastic instructor about um, conflict mediation and all of that. And, and I learned an awful lot from her about the uh, the importance of just listening, truly listening and, and understanding what's going on to deal with that kind of polarization. Because when we just jump in with um, very quickly saying words, taking a stand or whatever, like, like sometimes we do need to do that. But as soon as we're in a context where there's increasing polarization, then to jump in quickly with words is, is very often how things get more polarized instead of bringing us together, um, once again. And so then to, to learn to, to listen better and, and especially, um, like in, in the season that we're in with, the the issues of the day for, uh, people with with my very light colored complexion to not be so quick to spout off our opinions about things like race and be a lot more quick to listen to folks who who deal with being a minority and deal with the discrimination that happens day in and day out and deal with how the institutions don't don't deal properly with that. So then, you know, we want to get ourselves off the hook sometimes by, well, we made our statement so we can move on from that issue to another one. But I think that can become a very simple way as well. Like it, it comes back again to dismissing people, mm-hmm. right? Are we, are we just speaking to dismiss or are we just listening to dismiss? Are we, you know, s- not saying anything so that, well, I'm just listening right now so that I can dismiss the issue later. Yeah. Or are we just oh. saying our piece so that, well, I said something about it and then dismiss it, but to actually do the hard work and the, the very challenging heart work, um, that, uh, that, that requires us to be present, not just mentally, but also to check our attitudes and our, our heart condition as we approach those, those conversations and to truly listen mm. to what's, what's going on. And, and in those cases, um, speaking too quickly, it just very often can further the divide in our polarized context. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that doesn't, doesn't help very much either. Amen. I, we often ask uh, folks if there's anything about the work that they are doing that is uh, providing them a glimmer of hope in these challenging times. Um, what's bringing you hope these days as you think about um, the way we care for each other, the ways that we walk through poverty with each other? Um, where do you see hope in the future? Oh, man, it is everywhere. When, when I see people go through 
tremendous battles and struggles and still do what they can to reach out. You know, it might not be huge things, but it might be small things. You know, it's often small things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think from God's perspective, when we look at stories like the Tower of Babel and they tried to do a big thing and then uh, it says he looked down on what they did. He came down from heaven to see it, that it's uh, to the Hebrew reader uh, is is this like striking thing of, of I think in my book, I, I compare it to a parent stooping down, like looking at a sandcastle, you know, uh, that their child is making that, that we think it's this huge thing, but really it's, it's not actually all that, all that, that great. But, but then to look at from God's perspective that when, when people are just doing those small everyday consistent things, um, lives start changing. People start, um, experiencing the love of God and the love of their communities in ways that they haven't before. And, and there's been times where I've watched someone going through something and, um, one of the dear elderly ladies or older ladies in our congregation um, saw someone walk in and they were obviously sad and they just walked up to this, this younger lady and gave her a hug. Hmm. And now the, the older lady uh, is is a bit self-conscious about her English and says she doesn't speak it very well. She speaks it a lot better than what she gives herself credit for. Um, But there's still, you know, a little bit of a language barrier between her and, and some others who, um, don't speak any German. And so there was a bit of a language barrier between those two people, but but something like a hug, then to just see the difference it made in someone's face from before the hug to after, you know, that that there's there's times when those those small things are just beautiful and and give me so much hope for the future that um to quote Mr. Rogers, look for the helpers, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's always people, no matter how bad things get, no matter how bleak things seem, there are always people helping out their neighbor. And and I think that's what we need to look out for. And I think that's what we should strive to be as well. And that gives me tremendous hope um, that uh, that God isn't done with our world just yet. And and he has He has a purpose and a plan for us. And, and we get to be a part of that uh, when, when we when we choose to follow in, in those just simple ancient old paths of, of loving God and loving one another. I love that. Well, I really appreciate this time, Kevin. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and to share what you've been um, discerning from the spirit with, uh, with regards to this project that you've been working on. Um, can you tell our audience uh, where to find more? Can you tell us some details about where they might be able to find this book and, and where they could find uh, Pavology as well? Pavology can be found at uh, www.pavology.com. And it's also um, available on Right Now Media. It's uh, They're also hosted on YouTube. So there's a number of places you can look for those videos. Uh, the book is available on um, heraldpress.com as well as on Amazon. Um, Indigo is also um, making it available for order online. I'm not sure where else it would be. Um, there's probably a few other uh, places that that y- you can access it. It's yeah, search uh, "faithful and small things" on Google, and a whole bunch of stuff will come up for you. You can also find our church online at www.nlcfchurch.org. Perfect. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Um, Blessings as you continue this work and uh, for your community. Um, Thank you so much. Thanks, Ben.
As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who continue to support Ing Podcast. We'd like to thank Everence, a faith-based financial services organization, for their ongoing support of Ing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends. Do you have a topic or someone you think should be interviewed on Ing Podcast? Let us know by emailing theing at menomedia.org. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Today's show was produced by me, Ben Weidman. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org.